We are wrapping up our series that we are calling Let's Do This. Is it up there for you? Perfect. Um, and all month long, we've been talking about the story of Nehemiah, just an ordinary guy who set out to change his world. And we've been using his story to help us write a new story of our own. So I'm gonna quickly recap where we've been because these weeks build on each other before I tell you where we're going. So in week one, we talked about embracing the burden that God has put on your heart. Now for Nehemiah, that was Jerusalem. It was in shambles, the wall had been destroyed and God put a burden on his heart to go to Jerusalem and rebuild that wall. Now for you, it's gonna look different. Maybe God has given you a burden to you know, work on some issue in your family, Maybe he's given you a burden about a particular um, issue impacting our community and not working. Don't worry about it. I can just use up there. Uh, maybe he's challenging you just to get out of debt. I know that's a lot of folks. So in week two, we talked about, okay, once you embrace that burden, how do you take the next step to act on your burden? And Nehemiah gave us three leadership principles. We're up. Three leadership principles to employ. Uh, he said to define your mission clearly. Talked about planning carefully and then the importance of inspiring other folks. Now, last week, if you were here, you'll remember that Nehemiah talked about how once we start to act on our burden, once we start to live out the things that God has called us to do, the enemy often pushes back. One of the ways he pushes back is through discouragement. And he gave us several tools that we can use to help defeat discouragement, navigate obstacles and criticisms that might come your way from the enemy. Today, as we wrap up, I wanna talk about what it looks like to finish strong. Because today is gonna to be the day that Nehemiah finally finishes this wall, but the enemy is not done yet. He still has a few more tricks up his sleeve, and I wanna show you those tricks. Nehemiah is gonna show us how we can remain focused so that we can finish strong in what God has called you to do. So let's jump in. We're gonna be in Nehemiah 6. Let's just see what we see. Nehemiah tells us this. Sambalot, Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and all the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not set up the doors in the gate. So they're almost finished, but not quite. And what Nehemiah is going to find out today is that the closer you are to finishing what God has called you to do, the harder the enemy pushes back. And maybe you've already experienced this in your life. You know, you know, in this series, God has been moving you towards some goal. You're really making progress. You see the end in sight. And now you're starting to feel a little bit of resistance. I want to show you two ways the enemy will try to stop you from crossing the finish line, shall we say. First thing we're going to see today is that the enemy will try to distract you. He will do whatever he can to get you to take your eyes off the ball to distract you from your calling and your purpose and God's will for your life. And that is exactly what happened with Nehemiah. He tells us in verse two, he says, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. So Nehemiah, hey, why don't you stop what you're doing? Come on off that wall and come meet with us, right? This is the delay tactic. They're trying to distract Nehemiah from his work. Now, here's the thing. The fact that they want to meet in a place called Ono should be the first red flag. <laughs> I mean, like, just never take a meeting in a place called Ono. So the enemy's trying to distract Nehemiah. And the same thing happens to us. When we move forward with God, with what he's called you to do, distractions, they're gonna pop up. But what I have learned is that generally speaking, the big distractions, they're not really the problem. 
Because you're smart enough to not fall for a big distraction. You, you see them coming from a mile away. You're not going to get caught up by a big distraction in your pursuit of doing what God has called you to do. Rather, it's often the small distractions over time that can really begin to slow your process. For example, maybe the Lord has put a burden on your heart to grow closer to him, right? You want to work on your spiritual life. And, and so you make a few decisions. You decide, I'm going to start reading the Bible regularly, maybe daily. Uh, and I'm going to make church a priority. I'm gonna, if, if I'm in town, I'm going to get to church. And so you commit to attending weekly, and you're making great progress, and you're reading scripture, and you're getting to church, and, and you're growing in your faith, and you're feeling closer to God, and you're being blessed, and it's wonderful. But then all of a sudden, opportunities, shall we say, begin to present themselves to you. You know, your friend invites you on their boat on a Sunday. And, you know, obviously you can't pass up a boat ride. We know this. And, and everybody knows boats don't work on Saturdays. So, like, you got to go, all right? So you choose a boat over God. But it's not a big deal you tell yourself because you're just going to go to church next weekend. No harm, no foul. Next weekend comes. And you forgot your friends are in town. And they invite you to Sunday brunch. And, you know, you want to be a good host. And, and, and so you choose brunch over God. And the next thing you know, it's like eight weeks since you've been to church. You got distracted from your goal. Maybe you're a student. You know, you're in college and you just have a clear plan for your life. You want to, you know, you're trying to make Dean's List and you've got finals coming up and then your friends call and they go, hey, we're going to the beach. Hey, you know, there's a, there's a big party and you don't want to be left out, so you go. You got distracted. Now, we often view distractions as a negative thing, but the truth is they can also be good things. For example, let's say you get offered a promotion. More money, more responsibility, more impressive job title. And, and I mean, this is just a tremendous opportunity. I mean, it really, really is. But this promotion, which means more money and more responsibility and a more impressive job title, also means more time away from your family. And in this season of life, your family needs you, right? Your kids need you right now. Your spouse and, or, or, or your marriage really needs you. And, and, and don't miss this you need them too. So what do you do? See, if you're not careful, something good can actually distract you from something better. Boats and brunches are good, okay? But if a deep relationship with God is what is best, then, then you got to say, hey, we're going to have to reschedule. If being the best student you can be is what God has called you to be in this season of life, that party's going to have to wait. Listen, there's always going to be parties. You're going to turn 29, and you're going to be like, dear God, please no more parties, okay? Like, if you're being offered an amazing promotion, and others would go, you would be crazy not to take this promotion, but you just, you just feel like God is calling you to, I don't know, make your kids a priority in this season of life, make your marriage a priority in this season of life, then maybe that amazing promotion just has to wait. These opportunities, innocent as they may be, might actually be a distraction pulling us from God's best. Nehemiah knew that these men were trying to distract him. So what does he say? He says, so I sent messages to them. Hmm, that's a mistake. To them with this reply, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. This wall takes priority. In this season of my life, this is what God has called me to do. So no, no, I'm not coming down. Some of you really need to internalize this. You got to make this a life verse, maybe just in this season of life, because you're doing some great things. 
God has called you to make a difference. I mean, you're trying to get out of debt. You're working on your mental health. You're getting closer to God. You're, you're trying to fix your marriage. And the closer you get to the finish line, the more that distractions will pop up. So let me just ask you, who or what do you need to say no to? You probably already know, right? I mean, what, what is going on in your life right now that is pulling you or keeping you from what is most important? Now, remember, distractions are not always bad things. Sometimes they're good things. But for you, right now, in this season of life, with what God has called you to do, they're just not the best thing. So we got to learn to say no. I love to say no. I say it all the time, okay? Like it was, my mom told me it was actually my first word, so it's great. I would argue that learning to say no is one of the best skills that you can develop if you want to remain focused in order to finish strong. So when distractions pop up, we got to follow Nehemiah's lead. We got to say no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. So the closer you get to that finish line, the enemy will try to distract you. The second thing we're going to see today is the enemy will also try to discredit you. And we're going to see him do this two ways in Nehemiah's life. The first way is by spreading rumors. People just start talking about you. You know, it's like the more you do for God, the more people misunderstand what you're trying to do, the more they sort of misinterpret your motives. We see this with Nehemiah. Four separate times, he tells us, the enemy tried to distract him with those meetings to no avail. The fifth time, trying something new. The fifth time, Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand. So what is an open letter? An open letter is a letter that was meant to be read publicly. It was meant to be passed around. It's like a blog or, or, or a tweet. Sanballat, the author of this letter, wanted as many people as possible to get their eyes on it. And here is what this letter said. Quote, there's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true. Well, if Geshem says it's true, okay, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are rebuilding the wall. Now, we know this is not true. If you've been here in this series, you know this is not the fact. But wait, this gets even better. He says, and according to his reports, you plan to be their king. Oh, do I, right? This is fake news. I mean, we know that Nehemiah has set a time. He told King Artaxerxes, I'm going there for a little bit, and then I'm coming back. His only goal is to serve God by rebuilding this wall. But this is just what happens. The more you do for God, the more people are just going to talk about you and, and, and spread rumors. So I'll tell you this, don't let the whispers of people distract you from the call of God. Don't let it pull you away. When we launched Downtown Harbor Church in 2015, the rumor mill was like working overtime, okay? People were spreading some wild rumors. There was one that was so good, I wanted to tell you guys, but my wife said I'm not allowed to, so come find me afterwards. Um, so, so here's the truth, okay? Looking back now, those rumors distracted us. They did. We, we, like, we thought we had to get involved with them, that we have to stop these rumors. We had to address them. We had to rebut what they were saying. And, and, and during this time, Adam and I were being mentored by a prominent Christian leader, a guy named Kerry Newhoff, and I'll never forget his advice when we talked to him about what was going on. He said, boys, get comfortable with the fact that some people might never know the truth. Stay the course, he said. Just keep doing what God has called you to do and don't get in the mud with them. In other words, don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what's true about you. 
and just live a life that honors God. And don't let the critics and don't let the haters distract you from God's mission because ultimately that is what they are trying to do. So there's this rumor, hey, Nehemiah, he wants to be king. Watch his reply. He goes, there's no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. He says, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So he didn't let those rumors distract him. He didn't let it discourage him. And he certainly didn't allow the work to stop. In fact, he used that opposition to fuel him. He says, so I actually continued the work with even greater determination. And you got to do the same thing. Okay, when the enemy ramps up, so do you. You take it to God. You just leave it in his hands and you get back to work and you get back to work with even greater determination. So the enemy will try to discredit you through rumors. The second way we're going to see is that he'll often try to discredit you by trying to get you to compromise. He'll tempt you to compromise your integrity. He'll tempt you to sin, to slip up so that you discredit yourself. Now in verse 10, we're going to meet a brand new character, a guy named Shemaiah, and it would appear that Shemaiah is the temple priest. Now, spoiler alert, Shemaiah is a double agent. The enemy is going to use him to try to discredit Nehemiah, and so Shemaiah says to Nehemiah, hey, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors, because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. Hey, Nehemiah, listen, I'm your buddy. I've got some intel for you, and I can keep you safe if you just come inside the temple. Sounds reasonable. Here's the problem. The only person allowed inside that temple was the priest. And so if Nehemiah were to go inside that temple, he would be abusing his powers. It would be a sin against God, and he would have immediately lost all credibility in the eyes of the Jews. But Nehemiah picks up on this trap. He knows this guy's a double agent. He says he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Now, Nehemiah shows excellent judgment here. And honestly, he shows tremendous restraint because he didn't fall for this temptation that so many in leadership do. As you become more successful, right, it is very easy to become entitled. You see this happening all the time. You know, folks achieve a modicum of success, and they believe that they are entitled to more than they're entitled to. Nehemiah could have easily said, hey, I'm the man. I mean, I gave up everything to come rebuild this wall. I rallied the troops. I got the funds together. I organized this whole thing. I'm important. Therefore, I deserve to be kept safe inside that temple. It's a huge lesson for us here because God will use you, and he may use you to do some great things in this world. And as you enjoy that success, it is only a matter of time until the enemy will appeal to your pride in an effort to get you to compromise yourself. For example, let's say God is really using you at your work. You got a great reputation for being a strong Christian. You you, you share your faith. um, You help everybody. People come to you for advice. People come to you for prayer. I mean, God has really allowed you to create a ministry at your place of work. And it's a blessing to you. And it's a blessing to other people. But one day you think, you know, this place kind of takes advantage of me. I mean, not only am I a great employee, but I do great things for other people. And you're tempted to think this company, they just don't know how valuable I am. 
And so what do you do? In a moment of weakness, you decide, you know, I have a company credit card. I'm just going to make this personal expense a business expense because I deserve it. And they owe me. And you slip up. And you sin. You compromised your integrity and you discredit yourself. It reminds me of this line from a Lumineers song. I don't know if you guys like the Lumineers, but they sing, it's a long road to wisdom, but a short one to being ignored. You had this huge ministry at your job. God was really using you. You were making a difference. And in an instant, you let one thing discredit your integrity and it's all gone. Nehemiah, why don't you come to the temple? You're the man. You deserve this. Watch how he responds. Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? Now, it's so interesting to think about what does he mean by my position? Is he talking about his success? Is he talking about his role as a leader? Is he talking about the fact that he's a child of God? I mean, if he were in the, living in the New Testament times, would he say something like, should someone in my position, a Christian, do anything to compromise my witness in this world? No, I won't do it. I won't be taking any special privileges. I refuse to live with an entitled heart. I didn't come to Jerusalem to build a name for myself. I came to build a wall for God and nothing will distract me from that. I will not allow any discouragement, any distraction, any rumor, nor any temptation to prevent me from doing what God has called me to do because I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. The closer you get to that finish line, the harder the enemy is going to try to stop you from crossing it. And Nehemiah is saying, if you want to finish strong, you've got to remain focused. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize, that great work that God has called you to. Now, I don't know who this is going to speak to today, but a few people come to my mind. I'm envisioning that person who is trying to pay off debt. And it's slow. And it is dollar by dollar, and man, does that hill feel so big, almost insurmountable. And there's going to come a moment where the enemy might whisper into your ear, you'll never do it. Just give up. you got to shut that down, and you got to say, no, no, no. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I am doing what God has called me to do, and I will not be deterred. Maybe for you, you're trying to love somebody. Okay? That's the burden on your heart. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a spouse and, and you're trying to repair this marriage, but you just can't seem to reach this person because their heart just seems so hard. And you're tempted to think, is it worth it? In that moment, you got to preach to yourself. You got to say, I won't give up. I won't stop. I, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Whatever it is, whatever God has called you to do, I'm telling you, there's going to be a moment where you're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to throw in the towel. And in that moment, you have to draw on the power of God and remind yourself that this is a calling. This is a burden that the Lord has put on my heart. I am doing what God has called me to do and I won't quit and I won't back down and I will not give up because scripture says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Let me wrap up Nehemiah's story. 
And I think you're going to be incredibly encouraged by how it ends. He tells us that on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. And I love this next part. He says, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Here's what I want you to notice about Nehemiah's story, all four weeks. Nothing, nothing supernatural has taken place. There was no fire from heaven. There was no burning bush. There was no parting of the Red Seas. Bricks did not miraculously descend from heaven. It was just an ordinary guy embracing the burden that the Lord had put on his heart. And what we have seen every single week is that God was always with Nehemiah. He was with him in the beginning. He was with him through all the tough times. And it was with God that this, this burden, this vision was brought to completion. And I'm just telling you, wherever you are in your path to doing what God has called you to do, God is with you. He is the one sustaining you. He is the one empowering you. And it is he that will help you change your world. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So all the way back in week one, I asked you guys, what breaks your heart? For Nehemiah, that was Jerusalem. It was the wall. But what about for you? What is that burden that God has placed on your heart? Where has he called you to make a difference in your life, in this community, in, in, in your family, on the job. God called Nehemiah to do the seemingly impossible, honestly. I mean, it, it's something that everybody looked at and go, can't be done, can't be done, right? 150 ye years this wall's been down, it can't be fixed, and Nehemiah did it in 52 days. So as we close up this series, here's what I'm going to tell you. If God has put a burden on your heart to do something, just know, you will never finish what you don't start. And I don't know what that burden is, but I bet you do. And I'll just tell you this, God gave it to you. He placed it on your heart. So please, don't ignore it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't say it can't be done because you have no idea. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to embrace the burden that God has given you. And the journey might not be easy. And there's a chance you'll face some opposition. But God is with you. And he can use you to do something exceptional in this world. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that we have the opportunity this month to study the life of Nehemiah. To see what you did in his life and through his life. And God, I pray, Lord, that those of us in this room who feel that burden on our heart, Lord, where you are challenging us to make a change, to make a difference, to go out there in this world and say, it's not okay and somebody's got to do something and it might as well be me, Lord, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give us the strength to embrace that burden, the courage to say, yes, let's do this, God. And I pray that you give us the power to follow through in whatever it may be, Lord, from working on our marriage to trying to get out of debt to helping homelessness, Lord. You know the burdens. Help us to see it. Help us to engage with it. Help us to trust you and lean on you, God. 
And we will give you all all the credit when we cross that finish line. We ask this in Jesus' mighty, precious, and powerful name.